Thanks for joining us today at Springwell Church, where we want to draw spiritually thirsty people to Jesus by loving God, loving each other, and loving the world. We hope that today's message builds you up, gives you a little insight, and helps you find a brand new perspective. You can find us in Taylor, South Carolina, and online at springwell.org. That's springwell.org. Now let's jump into the message. If you're here and you're wondering, what does that have to do with anything, I'll help you out and help you understand it here in just a moment. Um, but Forrest Gump, if you've never seen this movie, go, go watch it. Um, it's one of my favorites. In particular, this scene. And the reason that I love this scene so much is because it's the look on Forrest's face when the braces break off of his legs and he starts to run unhindered and free. It's this look on his face that every time I see it, it makes me smile, not because it's funny, but it makes me smile because it's this look of, oh, I can do this. Like, I can actually run. I love this absolute, this movie, everything about it, I love the clip. Um, What if I told you that you could begin 2024 with that same kind of personal freedom? What if I told you that you could run through 2024 and everything that it throws at you and everything that comes along unhindered and free? My gut says that most of us, if not all of us, would love to experience that kind of freedom in our lives. And my guess is is that all of us have found ourselves at some point in time, maybe even right now, feeling burdened by life. Whether it's what's going on at work, what's going on with our family, something that's happening with a relationship that's whatever's going on with our finances, maybe it's our addiction, maybe it's the fear that we have in our lives, maybe it's uncertainty that we're facing We're honestly like young Forrest in this clip, trying to run, trying to escape those things. But the problem is, is that we are being held back. We're being held back from experiencing life to its fullest. So whether you are a Christ follower here today, whether you are brand new to your faith, or you're just here trying to start the new year in a different way, every one of us is running in some way, shape, or form. Maybe it's against time. Maybe it's against the diagnosis that you've received recently. Maybe it's you're running from your past. Maybe you're running from your feelings of self-worth or how you struggle with that. Maybe it's running to find a place of freedom or a place of peace. You are running somewhere. This morning, I want us to spend a few moments focusing on the three-word sentence from that clip. Run, Forrest. Run. The same way that that one sentence sparked a change in Forrest Gump, my prayer has been that what we're going to talk about today is going to spark something in us that would propel us into 2024 where we are looking at life and how we run through life in a very different way. This morning's message is going to be coming from Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews is a letter that was written to Jewish Christians uh, living in in Italy during the time of its writing. Uh, They had grown up in the Jewish system of religion 
which had a lot of do's and don'ts and things that they were trying to check boxes and all of these kind of things, but they had committed their life to following the way of Jesus Christ. After that, they would have had to fight the battle of the rule of the Roman Empire in their lives and Roman religion, along with the pull of how they grew up. So following Jesus wasn't necessarily going to be the easiest thing for them. They were having to fight these other things that were happening in their lives. In the previous chapter, chapter 11, the author runs through this who's who's list of faith that includes the likes of Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, Moses and Rahab, basically Old Testament saints who live their lives with faith in God. Now, before I go any further, let me spend just a moment talking about this idea of faith in God. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 39, and this is not going to be on the screen, but I want to read it to you. The author writes this, These people earned a good reputation because of their faith, but none received all that God had promised, meaning that they lived in a way that required them, that required a faith that God had better in mind for them as he does for us. So whether you're a Christ follower or not, freedom is found in faith that God has better in store for us. Better than I want for me. Better than what I want for my family. Better than the promotion that I desperately seek. Better than the fulfillment of a relationship that I think I would have with someone. Better than the momentary high that I can find in my addiction. So as we walk through the first few verses of Hebrews chapter 12 today, let's keep those thoughts of faith in our mind, okay? Let's start in verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Off the jump, the author tells us that we are surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. And many times I've heard these people described as people who are just in heaven looking down and cheering us on. But it's, it's more than just a spectator cheering you on. You can go and watch a sporting event and be a spectator, but you're not a participant. These are people who have participated, even people who are alive today who are surrounding us and looking at us. So in other words, we are surrounded by people who are running the same kind of race that we're trying to run in the way that we want to try to run it. That's what it's talks about being surrounded, not just by spectators, by witnesses. The word witness actually comes from the Greek word that becomes our English word martyr. So these are people who have skin in the game. People who know what it's like to run through this life. Do we have any runners in the room? Any runners in here? Wow, I don't know if y'all didn't want to raise your hand and you're like, this is the dumbest question anybody's ever asked us in here. Um, Okay, let me change it. This is going to make it probably worse. Any sprinters in the room? Okay, all right. Okay, so here's the deal. I have never been a runner. I am not a runner, never have liked run. I get bored too long. You want me to tell me, like, people run marathons. Good for you. 26.2 miles? I'm going to be so bored out of my mind for doing the same thing for 26.2 miles. There's no way that's going to work. In high school, I did run track. 
And I wasn't a runner, I was a sprinter. Um, I actually ran the 400 hurdles. One lap around the track, jump in 10 hurdles, spaced out every 35 yards with a sprint at the end. You're like, you sprint that? Well, you try. Um, at least that's what I did. That's the idea. It was meant to be a sprint. Uh, but so I ran this. So it was, the thing is, I actually loved doing it. Um, it was awful, by the way. I hated it every time I finished a race, every time I finished training. Whatever. I absolutely hated doing it. Um, but I love watching those races whenever it comes on the Olympics. I love it. Um, whether it's the Olympics, whether it's some kind of big, like, world championship track meet or whatever, I always look for the 400 hurdles. And the reason that I love watching that race every single time is because I ran that race. I know what it's like for the people who are competing. I understand the struggle. I know the training regimen. I know the muscle pain and the fatigue. I know what it goes, what you have to go through in order to run that race. And regardless of how a person finishes that race, because I've done it, I can testify to the fact that it's difficult to run that race. Honestly, I rewind back to the glory days of high school whenever that happens. And I start talking not so much about what I accomplished or didn't accomplish as I ran, but instead I think that my wife and daughter who were sitting over here probably get so tired of me talking about the fact that this is how I ran this race. This is what you're thinking right here. This is what you do right here. And it's because I did it. And I know that they're tired of hearing me talk about it. The first portion of verse 1 is a reminder that we aren't the only ones who are running this race. And we're not the only ones who have run it. There are people who are running this race or have run the race of faith in the way that it's meant to be run. People who know the ups and the downs and what happens behind the scenes, the pains and the struggles of what it looks like to run by faith in Jesus Christ. These people are people that we can look at when life gets difficult, when we start to get tired, when the race seems never ending, when it's just a struggle to keep running people who have gone through the pain, through the doubts, the questions, and the heartache. Their race may have been a little different than ours, or it may be a little different than ours right now, but those people that we see who have run this race are meant to be witnesses to God's love and mercy and grace and his mercy as we run our race. So who are those people for you today? Who are those people who are examples of endurance and fight? People who have run the race and have won. People are running it the right way. Look at the example of those people. That's what the writer tells us in the first por portion of verse 1. Maybe it's family, friends, leaders, pastors, anyone who is running or has run the race and run it the right way. The second part of the verse says that we need to not only look at others who are running the race, but we also need to look at ourselves. How am I running the race? 
Am I running it the right way? The way that leads me to real victory and fulfillment, not just the way that I want to run it. The way that requires me to trust someone who is stronger than I am, who's smarter than I am, more loving than I am. By the way, that's Jesus. If we're running the wrong way, what it's going to do is it's going to make the race more difficult. So I'm sure that some of you have been sitting up here going, what kind of shoes is he wearing? Y'all are like, I've never seen anything. like Y'all didn't realize I was that fashion forward. Um, okay, that was a mean laugh. No, I'm just kidding. No, the, so here's the thing. Um, I am wearing ankle weights. Um, it's New Year's Day tomorrow. You got to get a head start some way, right? Doing something. Um, no, this is not about trying to, to get a workout and preach at the same time. It has nothing to do with trying to get a jump on tomorrow. It doesn't have anything to do with it. Um, these are actually something that I wore while I was training for this race when I was in high school. The idea um, for those of us who were hurdlers, um, we would train with this just work not running around the track, but right with the hurdle, we would train by wearing an ankle weight, which would allow us to get our legs up faster, train it to go up faster and go down faster. Lead legs, trail legs, all of those kind of things. And you're like, we don't really care about that. Um, just get to the ankle weights. No. So that's just the, we would wear the ankle weights. And then we're meant to be training aids. You didn't run the race wearing the ankle weights. That didn't make any sense. In the same way, during the time of the writing of Hebrews, athletes trained the exact same way. They actually would weigh themselves down to try to make themselves faster. So when the author says not to just look at this crowd of witnesses and to look at us, but he says that we need to strip off every weight that hinders us or slows us down. It would be like me running a race, even to the point walking around preaching right now, wearing ankle weights. And while they're not ridiculously heavy, they're enough for me to notice that they're there. They're meant to be training tools. They're meant to be removed once we're actually running. You remove them before you run the race. These are meant to be worn prior to now. And the author says to take every weight that's hindering you and cast it aside. I don't know if it's just me because I had the weights on, but it feels like I'm walking around like this up here right now. I don't know. High knees. I'm getting another workout by not even trying to this morning. Throw the side of weight. For some of us, this morning, we need to get rid of everything that's slowing us down. So my question for us today is, what are you carrying around that's slowing down your progress in your life? Is it your past? Is it how you think about yourself? Is it your hurts, your habits, your hang-ups? Is it a relationship? Is it an attitude problem? Is it your own son, sin? That's actually what the author said to not just lay aside the weights that slow us down, but the sin that so easily entangles us. It's not the easiest thing to run when you're running with your legs tied together. 
But for a lot of us, that's how we go through life. And we don't think that anything can be done about it. We have sin in our life, these things that we have done or knowingly do where we're calling our own shots, trying to run our life our own way, and we're just letting them weigh us down and entangle us. If it's you and you're entangled in sin today, know that Jesus came to pay the price so that that's for that sin so that you could have freedom from it. Think of it this way. It's Jesus is coming to cut that loose so you can run without being tangled. What it takes is for me to, that I can't fix that on my own. I have to admit that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior and believe that God sent his son to pay the price for my sin, that he rose uh, from the dead victorious over death and that sin and confess my faith in Jesus and commit my life to him. But I think we often focus on the laying aside the sin that entangles us, but we don't think a lot about the weights. The weights can be, can be bad that are weighing us down. Thoughts that we have, habits that we have, all of those kind of things. But the weights can be good things as well. The things that we need to throw aside are things that started out good and were not meant to be a weight in our life. For some of us, religion is that weight. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to church. I'm, I'm going I'm to commit my life to Jesus. I'm going to follow him. But now it's just become check boxes. I have to do this. And if I don't do this and I don't do it at this time and in this way, then God's not going to love me. And God doesn't want to have anything to do with me. And religion has become legalistic in our lives. And what was meant to be good has become a weight that's hindering us. When we have something that we've taken that's good and it's turned into something that becomes a weight, we need to cast it off. I'm not saying don't come to church, don't do anything like that. I'm not saying that. But understand that when it comes to a relationship with Jesus Christ, it's not about what you do. It's about the relationship. You don't have to win his approval. Throw aside that weight. Something good that, that happens in our life is empathy. It's good to have empathy for people and for what they're going through. Where it can become a weight is when we continuously take on the burdens of other people that weigh us down without thinking about the reason that we're doing it. Maybe we continue to do that because we are trying to make ourselves feel better about ourselves. We're trying to atone for something that we've done. Maybe it's just that we struggle so much with our self-worth that we have this attitude that I'll, I'll take these things on to please these people. For those of us who are in a role of a parent in some way, shape, or form in a child's life, whether it's a parent, grandparent, step-parent, foster parent, maybe you weren't even planning on being in that role, 
what I do know as a parent is that I want better for my child than I had. Not that I had it bad, but I want better for her. And that's good until it becomes a weight because I find all of my purpose and value in what she does. That becomes a weight. We have to find our value and our worth in who Jesus says we are and what Jesus thinks about us. Many good things become weights when we allow them to dictate every element of our lives. Warren Wearsby says it this way, a winning athlete doesn't choose between the good and the bad. He chooses between the better and the best. I'll put it this way, I must put aside the good I want for me for the best that God has in store for me. I may want good things for me, but God has the best in store for me. I just have to have faith and run through life with faith in Christ so that I can experience that in my life. Recognizing that he's wiser than me, that he's stronger than in me, and that he has always had my best interest in mind. Putting aside the things that are weighing us down and the sin that's entangling us, we have to run this race with endurance. Running the race of life can be demanding. Would you agree? If not, you got the rest of today. It'll happen at some point in time. Life can be demanding. Running that race can be demanding. It's not because God wants your life to be miserable. It's just the fact that because you run continuously for days, weeks, months, years at a time, it just becomes difficult and it's hard. We have to run with endurance. So if I want to want, excuse me, run the race unhindered, I'm going to have to need an example of how to run that race. Good thing is the author of Hebrews gives us what that example is beginning in verse 2. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. The writer tells us that as you're running this race, there is a specific way to run it. I'm going to go back to that race that I ran in high school, the 400-meter hurdles. Um, when I started running that race, it was actually the 300-meter hurdles. Um, and then, and because I, I started in middle school, and as I finished middle school, the track coach came to me with these photocopies that came from a running magazine. And some of you are sitting there going, why didn't he give you photocopies from a running magazine? Because um, there was no QR code that he had for me to scan at that point in time. Um, there, is, there was no Google we were on the front end of the internet and ask Jeeves and Yahoo and all of this kind of stuff. There was no go look this up online. We didn't even know what online was, barely. But he came to me with, and he said, hey, starting next year and next track season, they're going to change from a 300-meter hurdles, three-quarters of a lap to one lap, 400-meter. So I thought you might want to train so I got this for you, and that's what I started using. So all throughout high school, I used these, this training regimen and routine 
of Edwin Moses. I don't know if you, anyone knows that name. Edwin Moses is actually the, still the most decorated American male to run the 400-meter hurdles. So for four years, years, I used this regimen and his race strategy. I knew how many steps I was going to take between hurdles. It was going to be 21 to hurdle one. It was going to be 15 from two, three, four uh, uh, to five. And then when it's, excuse me, yeah, to then I was going to switch to 17 for 6 and 7, and it was going to go back again, 8 through 10, 15. I mean, like I said, I did this for a while. Um, I used this plan and this strategy because it was proven to work. I didn't have the athletic ability that Edward Moses did, therefore it didn't work the way that it did for him, but still it was proven to work, so that's what I used. In the same way, we're running through life this race of faith and Jesus has given us and is the perfect strategy according to these verses. Jesus knew the price the race would require from him, which would be death on a cross. And he was willing to pay that price because he knew that the race wasn't just about him. He knew it was about you. He knew it was about me. He knew it was about all of humanity. He knew that running the race would require a sacrifice, him giving his life, but he was willing to make it because he loves us that much. When you're running through life and you start to get tired, you catch a cramp, you have a stitch in your side, oh, those are the worst. Remember the example that Jesus set. He willing endured the worst possible fate so that we could have a relationship with him. And he loves you that much. When he endured the scorn and the hostility, he did it willingly, not begrudgingly. Because he knew that if he honored the Father it would give us a way to be in a relationship with him. So while it's fine to think about the crowd of people who are watching and have run the race and are cheering us on, it's imperative that we focus on how Jesus ran the race while on earth and imitate him. So as we enter 2024, I wanna encourage all of us to ask ourselves this question. How am I running the race of life? Am I trying to run it while weighed down with good yet unnecessary things? Am I trying to run it while entangled in my own sin? Am I imitating the wrong person who's running the race? Or am I looking to the one who is the initiator of our faith, Jesus Christ? Am I looking to those who have run the race the right way for inspiration? You see, the thing that I love about that clip that we showed at the beginning is that Forrest did exactly what Jenny told him to do. If you've never seen the movie, spoiler alert, uh, he keeps running a lot. And he did it because Jenny just said, run, Forrest, run. This year, when in doubt and you feel like you're going to give up and life is too difficult and it's too hard, you don't know where to look, what to do, run, Forrest. Just run. I ask everybody to bow your heads, close your eyes. We're going to pray. You've asked yourself that question this morning, how am I running the race of life? So how are you running that race? 
Are you running it by faith? Are you running it while weighed down? Look to the example of those who have run it before you or people around you who are running it in a way that you're trying to run it. Most importantly, look to the example of Jesus. If that's you today and you know that you have a relationship with him, you know the training regimen. You know the strategy of the race. Just continue to have faith that he has better in mind for you than you have for yourself. Are you running through life today entangled in your own sin? You can't get out of your own way because you're running your own way. Jesus endured the cross, despising its shame or disregarding its shame. And he did so so that he could be the sacrifice that was required for payment for our sin. He did that so that he could make a way for us to have a relationship with God. Maybe 2023, you've just been running full blast and you don't feel like you're getting anywhere. You feel weighed down. You feel like you're just tangled up and tripping everywhere and you can't seem to get out of your own way. And you're ready to have that feeling of running unhindered and free like Forrest did in that clip at the beginning. It's not that you can change the race. You're just going to keep getting yourself tangled up in sin. But God provided a way for us to have freedom from that sin. And what it requires is for us to admit that we're a sinner in need of a Savior. And if that's you, and you feel like you're, you're tangled up in, in that sin and you're trying to do on your own, you don't know how to run the race, and you're ready to trust someone wiser and stronger and more powerful and who would love you more than anyone else, then just say something like this to God. God, I admit that I'm tangled up in my sin. And I can't fix it. I admit that I need a Savior. And I believe that you love me so much that you sent your son to earth who lived here just like we do, lived a perfect life, but died a sinner's death on the cross so that he could pay the price for my sin. I believe that he rose again so that I could have freedom from that sin and that I could have a relationship with him. So today, forgive me, change me, Make me something new. God, I know a lot of the stories of people who are in this room today. 
probably even some of the stories are people who are watching online. It would be really easy for us to just quit running sometimes, to give up. So my prayer today is that we lay aside the things that hinder us, weigh us down, even if at once they were meant to be good. so that we can have faith in you as we run. And God, for those who made that decision to commit their lives to you today, we celebrate that. Thank you for giving us real freedom as we enter a new year. Thank you for the privilege of being able to be one of the pastors here at Springwell. privilege being able to, to share your word. Thank you for what you've done here today. In Jesus' name we pray.